Exodus chapter 14. Exodus 14 tonight. We're going to look at this chapter this evening. And the Lord just really directed my heart to this place in Scripture tonight. And uh, the title of the message tonight is God Knows Exactly What He Is Doing. He knows exactly what He is doing. And uh, I think this is a fitting message for, uh, uh, for prayer meeting. So uh, let's, let's just get started. We'll read verses 1 through 4. As I said, we'll read down through the chapter throughout the message, okay? And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they turn in a camp before Pihiroth, between Migdal and the sea, over against Belzephon, before it shall ye encamp by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, They are entangled in the land. The wilderness hath shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart that he shall follow after them. And I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his host that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Father, I pray tonight, Lord, I know that there's a lot of prayer needs. And I'm, I'm thankful, Father, that you have... You have told us many times in the scriptures, you've stressed over and over and over again the importance of your people calling out unto you and asking you, Father, to meet certain needs. And uh, Father, we're, we're going to spend some time tonight interceding on behalf of loved ones and friends and, and, and people, God, that you've placed in our life, and we ask you to do far above what we could ask or think. But we also come together tonight to spend some time in your word. Lord, we need to be re recharged tonight. And uh, Father, I know that people have worked their jobs. They have taken care of a lot of responsibilities. I know that it gets darker now. And sometimes, Lord, on Wednesday nights, we, we do our best to get here. And uh, sometimes even feel a little bit lazy. But Father, we are here because we need you tonight. And we ask you, Father, to bless your word as it is delivered. Bless the children as they are learning the scriptures tonight. Bless the teenagers as BJ uh, preaches to them. And just bless us in this place tonight. May you use your word to speak to every person here that they could say it was good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. So bless us, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen. So the Lord instructed Moses in verses 1 and 2 to lead the children of Israel to an exact spot alongside of the Red Sea. He mentions the location so that there is no misunderstanding. He wanted them to be in this spot in verse number 2. And it was Moses' responsibility to lead the children of Israel to where God wanted them to be. And in verse number 3, the Lord knew that Pharaoh would discover their location. And he would see a strategic opportunity 
to capitalize on what he thought was a mistake that they had made because they allowed themselves to be trapped by their geography. They encamped on the coast of the Red Sea and there was nowhere else for them to go. And so the Lord, through the weakness of Israel, the Lord saw this as an opportunity to make his power known to the nations. And he would make the world know he is the Lord and beside him there is no other. So he says to Moses in verse number 4, let's read it again. He says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart that he shall follow after them. And I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his hosts that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. That was his goal, that the Egyptians might know that he is the Lord. And so the Israelites did exactly what God wanted them to do. You'll look down in verse number 18. Look down there a few verses and God wraps up his instruction to Moses with a reminder. He says, And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots, and upon his horsemen. And you'll remember in Joshua chapter 2, years later, when, uh, when the spies are at the house of Rahab the harlot, and she says, We know what God did to the Egyptians in the Red Sea. And we know that we have been delivered into the hand of the Lord, into the hand of Israel. So God uses this one thing, really, not only to increase the faith of the children of Israel, but he also uses it with a goal in mind that people would know exactly who he is, that there is one true God. So we spend most of our lives focused on the needs of the moment. But our omnipotent God keeps his eyes on where he is leading us and what he wants to do when we get there. We make decisions based on our present position. God considers our eternal position. And we often follow the Lord expecting peace and blessing. But sometimes we are led to a place where we must overcome our fear with our faith in him. And so as we read this chapter tonight, I want us to forget for just a moment that we know the account of what is about to happen. I, I mean, you don't have to know much Bible, and just about everybody knows what happened to David and Goliath, right? And Exodus 14 is right up there. People, may, Even people who don't spend much time in the Bible or in church they know what took place between Israel and the Red Sea. And practically everybody knows something of this historical event, but I, I want us to place ourselves in the camp of Israel during this time. And we don't know what's going to take place. We don't know what God's going to do. And I want us to picture tonight our, our, of ourselves and our families alongside of us, our children and our grandchildren are there. And our lives up to this point have been very difficult. The Egyptians have used their government to take away our freedoms. 
And when we went to work every day, we didn't have bosses who looked out for the best interests of their employees and their families. Instead, Brandon, we had taskmasters. Taskmasters who looked out for their own self-interest and, and wanted to keep our people in subordination. They didn't want us to climb the ladder. They didn't want us to succeed. They wanted to keep us under their thumb. And so because of that, our children wouldn't have a bright future. Our nation did not have a bright future. We didn't have much to look forward to. The only way, the only way out of it meant that our lives would have to drastically change. It means that we would have to be completely dependent upon the Lord God. And the truth is, and I'm just speaking truth here, Americans don't know anything about that. We can, we can leave our house in the morning and go work our jobs and really not even think about God throughout the day because we have been so abundantly blessed, amen? And, and we're so abundantly blessed that we take our eyes on the, off the Lord and we start trusting ourselves, we start trusting in our jobs, we start trusting in our circumstances, we're trusting in our government, we're trusting in all of these things other than just having to be in a place where if God don't get us out of it, if God don't see us through, we're simply not going to make it. At least in Egypt... We knew what to expect. We had, some, we had somehow learned how to manage through the trials and the difficulties. We knew where our next meal came from. We knew what each day held for us. Even though it wasn't a great day, we knew what to expect. But the life that the Lord was calling us to did not lay everything out for us. There was no guarantee of a job. There was no guarantee of a home. There was no guarantee of even a next meal. But despite our doubts, it seems to us that God had orchestrated events through all of the plagues that he had done in Egypt that have made a way for us to be delivered from our bondage. So we pack up our belongings and we begin our journey with our family we don't know what the future holds, so we're very careful to follow the Lord's leading each step of the way. Now, I'm going to tell you something tonight. The only thing that delivers us out of our bondage is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And he delivers us. And the truth is that when we first get saved, we, uh, we, we understand this, this freedom, this this forgiveness, this peace that God has given us. And uh, we're very careful. I mean, church is exciting. The Bible is exciting. Preaching is exciting. Teaching is exciting. We, we just can't get enough of it. And we're completely dependent upon the Lord, and we want the Lord to lead us every step of the way. But somewhere along the line, we get our eyes off Jesus, and we get our eyes back on us. Amen? And we lose the excitement and we lose the direction and we lose the passion and we lose many times the peace that we had once experienced. Now the Israelites, they know that God has been doing some things. It is evident. It is miraculous. 
and they are following the Lord. They are leaving Egypt to ultimately get to this promised land that God says is a land that flows with milk and honey. We don't know what we're going to face when we get there. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we're trusting the Lord in his direction. So we choose to obey his word, and we learn to follow. And he leads us, he leads us and our children to the coast of the Red Sea with nowhere else to go, which, if we're honest, would leave us confused. What am I doing here? Where, where is the Lord leading me? The Lord seems to have led us to a dead end, which would cause us to question, did we mistake his leading? Did we, did we not understand the Lord's map? Or were we, like, were we like Bugs Bunny and took a wrong turn at Albuquerque? Where's God taking us? Now you can't tell me that you have, if you've been saved for a while that you hadn't got to a place where you're questioning what is God doing in my life? Why am I following the Lord? God has been directing. I believe it is obvious that God is directing. And now here we are sitting on the coast of the Red Sea. What is, what is God about to do? I don't understand it. I'm trusting him, I'm believing, I'm trying to have faith, but God just doesn't make sense. To make it worse, we look behind us and here comes our past. We thought we had left all of that life behind us, all of its snares and traps and quicksand, but the enemy doesn't want to release his stronghold on our lives. And so here he comes in a hurry to capture us and bring us back into himself. Read, let's read verse number five. And it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled. And the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this that we have let Israel go from serving us? And he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. He took 600 chosen chariots and all the chariots of Egypt and captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with a high end, but the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army and overtook them in camping by the sea. Notice where they are, beside Pahiroth, before Belzephon. Exactly where God told them to be. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. The enemy of God's chosen people unleashed everything in his power with a goal of overtaking them once and for all. He didn't, he didn't want to let God's people go. 
he second-guessed himself and he went after them with all of his might and all of his army. He was going to destroy them once and for all. We, what makes it most difficult is that, as I just mentioned, Israel is in, the posi- is in this position because God had led them there. They didn't run off and go their own direction. They were exactly where God told Moses to lead them to. And Pharaoh found them right there. And I asked myself, how many times have I been left to scratching my head because I didn't understand why God had led me to that position? If you've been saved any amount of time, you've been there too. Why did God lead me here? I was, when I was studying this message, I, I was thinking about a time in recent years when I know God was leading me. I know he was leading me. And I was very aware of his presence. And I was being very conscious of how he was leading and what he was trying to tell me. And I felt the closest to God that I'd never felt before. I, I mean, it was, I, was, I felt as though I was walking as close to the Lord as I'd ever been. And then all at once, it seemed like God just took the rug out from under me. And the only way that I could go was down. And I just felt like I was going to fall flat on my face so everybody could see. And I didn't understand it. I didn't understand that. I didn't understand what God was doing. I, I didn't ask the Lord to lead me in the direction he was leading me. I was just trying to follow And it left me in a position where there was nowhere left to turn. And the result was it challenged everything about my faith. And so I went to the Lord and I pleaded with him where I went wrong. What did I do wrong? What did I misunderstand? What did I misinterpret? What was going on? Why why did God leave me in this position? I'm going to be honest with you, Bill. I was also a little bit angry. And I let the Lord know it. I told him I was angry at him. I said everything was just fine and you you got to meddling. And I decided to follow you. And I said, you just left me here. I got upset with the Lord. I didn't ask to be put in that position. But he put me there. And I couldn't do anything but stand there in frustration. And the Israelites cried out to the Lord at the end of verse 10, and we see a similar spirit behind their cry in verse 11 and 12. Read with me. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone? that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. No, it wouldn't. Because they forget the reason God was leading them out of there is because they were praying for a deliverer. But they didn't like the deliverer and they didn't like the way that God was leading and they didn't like what God was asking them. And he was just, they're just complaining. You should have just let us be. You should have let us stay where we were because now you have led us to our death. 
And if we put ourselves in their shoes with our children and our grandchildren depending upon us to lead them, and it now it seems like what we have led them to is certain death, we would be as upset as well. And especially if we had our doubts to begin with. As I read on, I, I can't help but feel for Moses a bit in this situation. He's doing his best he can to lead the people and the Lord had revealed back in verses 1 through 4 that he was going to take care of Israel. And he told Moses that Pharaoh hadn't given up so easily and that he would have to deal with him again. But the Lord also told Moses that when it was all over, the Egyptians would know who the one true God was. So with this information, Moses believed the Lord would take care of them. There was just one important fact that he didn't know, Mark, and that is, how was God going to do it? Oh, I believe God can take care of me. I just don't know how. And as a leader, that puts you in a difficult spot. I'm going to tell you something. Moses does the best he can in verses 13 and 14 to offer some comforting spiritual instruction to help, keep his, to help his people keep the faith because he simply can't say, he can't look at Brad Hill in the eyes and say, and Brad says, why did you lead us here? Why did, why did we make this decision? I cannot say, I don't know. Because you would string me up so fast. <laughs> and, the, and the church would disperse. The congregation would disperse. You led us here. Our, we're, we're losing our family. We're, we're, we're in a place where there is no hope. Why did you do this? Moses cannot say, Stick, I don't, I don't know. I thought I was doing the right thing. So he... he, he presents himself with a lot of spiritual talk in verse 13 and 14. All right? So this is what he says. Read with me. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not. How, how is that for sounding spiritual? Don't, what, are you, what are you afraid for, okay? Ask Moses. Well, why are you afraid? He says, Fear ye not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show unto you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. I believe that Moses believed that. He just couldn't tell you how God was going to do it. He knew it was the Lord's fight, not theirs. But he thought they could just stand still. And wait and see what God would do while Moses prayed for them. But God didn't want them standing still. He wanted them to keep advancing forward. And there was just one problem that everyone could see, including the smallest child. Forward was a large body of water. They certainly couldn't all swim across. And they didn't have time to build boats. So look at verse 15 the Lord comes to Moses and helps him out. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. But lift thou up thy rod and stretch out thine hand over the sea and divide it. 
And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. And I will get me honor upon Pharaoh and upon all his hosts and upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. So there is the how. But only Moses knows it. And he would have to take the lead. But it would be in a moment in history the entire congregation would be remembered for. Because in Hebrews 11 verse 29 the Bible says, By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians assigned to do were drowned. God moved into action in verse 19 and 20. And the angel of God which went before the camp of Israel removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud and darkness to them. But it gave light by night to these so that the one came not near the other all night. So while we attempt to go forward in faith, the Lord protects us from the enemy long enough for all of us to get to where we're supposed to be going. Because God can do that. Can I get amen? And so in verse 21, and Moses, Moses does what God told him to do. Okay? Did he believe it? He had to believe it. There was no other way. And so God told Moses to stretch out his hand and take that rod and stretch out his hand over the sea. And so Moses did it in verse 21. And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land and the waters divided. He told Moses, John, to raise your hand over the sea. Did, he, and Mo, did Moses do that? Moses did exactly that. And Moses had nothing to do with the water. God parted the water. Amen? But God wasn't going to part the water until you believe by faith to trust the Lord. And so when Moses, by faith, and he took what God had instructed him, okay, what God had told him, he went and acted upon it, he raised up that rod, he raised up those hands, and God made that east wind to blow, and he caused, he caused the, the, the water to, to part, and, uh, and God did what only God could do. And uh, it says in verse 22, And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. And I'm going to tell you something else. It took faith for the children of Israel to go in that dry sea. Amen? It took faith. Because especially if I'm leaving my, leading my children there, and i got to go all the way across that sea, hoping that that water don't suddenly come crashing down. Okay? I'm responsible for my loved ones. I'm responsible for my family. And I am just going to trust the Lord. And so I take step on that dry ground and I follow the Lord. I call this the first ever walk through aquarium, amen? I mean, you, you can go to Chatta, Chattanooga, you can go to Atlanta, you can go to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and you can stand behind a wall of glass that man put there, but you go to that Red Sea, and the only thing that was holding that water back was the power of God, amen? And they walked through on that dry ground, the water, the water wall on both sides. Look at verse 23. And the Egyptians pursued... And went in after them in the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots and his horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning watch the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire into the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians. 
and took off their chariot wheels that they drave them heavily so that the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. So here's a question tonight. Would you rather fight against the Lord in the midst of his work and watch him take off your wheels as the waters around you begin to rise? Or would you rather trust the Lord in the midst of his work, feel the heavenly winds blow in your face, and despite your fears, experience the incredible power of God? We always need to be sure we're on the Lord's side with things. Amen? We need to be sure we're where God wants us to be. Amen? That's our responsibility. If God is leading us to it, as is often said, God will get us through it. Amen? If God wants us to be right there, and it seems hopeless, it seems scary, it seems like God doesn't know what he's doing. It is important for us to be where we know God is leading us to be. And we can be afraid in the midst of it. And we might not have all the answers. But it got, as God reveals his truth to us, we will see the hand of God at work that we would not have seen if we just stayed back in Egypt. Verse 26, and the Lord said unto Moses, stretch out thine hand over the sea that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its strength when the morning appeared. I'm thankful that I serve a God who's more powerful than the sea. With a word he can say, peace be still, and the wind and the waves will obey. But the Egyptians were simply no match. Verse 27, the Egyptians fled against it. And the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea, and the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. There remained not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea. And the waters were a wall unto them on the right hand and on the left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and the servant Moses. Not only did Egypt come to know the full power of the God of Israel, but so did Israel. In the midst of considerable uncertainty that would make just about every believer doubt what God was doing and where he was leading, they experienced through the Lord that if we believe, anything is possible with God. Now, the sad thing is, as we continue through the book of Exodus... They would forget this lesson before long and find another reason to doubt the Lord's provision and lose faith. And the sad thing is, it's true about most of us. 
I was, uh, Christy had me going through a couple of tubs the other day. It was my punishment for Sunday night. No, I'm just kidding. This is actually before then. And uh, it was, it was a, a tub, and I opened up the first tub, and it had a lot of memories in it. A lot of things. My old scrapbook from high school, different things. And I was looking through things. And I was looking through, I was looking through this journal. And uh, I was reading uh, one, one of the days. I didn't, I didn't read much of it. I just read one of the days early on in the journal. And it was about 26 years ago. And uh, I had wrote down that I was praying for God to open the door for me to be able to preach in the downtown rescue mission. And um, I was trying to get in, and I, I just I wasn't able to get in. And so I was praying that night, God opened a door to give me an opportunity to preach there. And in the journal I wrote that as soon as I said amen, my phone rang. And I picked up the phone, and uh, it was the director of the downtown rescue mission, and he gave me this time slot every other Tuesday night I could come and preach. And I wrote down in the journal, God answers prayers. Right? I'd forgotten all about that. I, I tell you the truth, I don't even remember it. But I wrote it down. And I guarantee you, I know this for a fact, there have been times, I just shared with you one earlier, there have been many times in my life where I've questioned God. God, why did you bring me to this? Why, why are you not answering my prayer? Why are you not listening? I forget the many times that God did answer. You with me? And all of us are at times and places in life, and maybe some of you are there tonight. You get to places in your life where you question. Why did God lead me to this? What is God doing? Well, we learn from Exodus 14, God knows exactly what he's doing. Amen. Journal your victories if necessary. Do whatever it takes, but don't forget the wonderful things that God has done and is doing in your life. Because I can promise you that one day will come where once again we'll find ourselves questioning the Lord's doing. Now we pray that we don't forget what he is doing. And just listen and learn and follow and allow him to teach of his greatness and use us to reach the world for his glory. Amen. Whatever it is you're going through, Brandon, God knows exactly where you are and he knows exactly what he's doing. So just stay faithful. Father, thank you for the time tonight. As we gather together in our small groups and we pray to